season. Welcome to kickoff. Welcome to early fall. To getting back into routine. To a season of crisp leaves and fresh beginnings and pumpkin spice and apparently a lot of rain for today. Welcome also to our Storyteller series. Stories can be fun, entertaining, comforting, but they are not frivolous nor unnecessary. Stories shape us. They form us. They tell us about the world and other people. It's how we communicate who we are to others. We tell stories to share something about ourselves, to learn something about others, to teach lessons, to share a bit of ourselves in vulnerability and humility, sometimes humor, and to see other perspectives and experiences with empathy and understanding, to create community and spaces of belonging. This summer, we have journeyed through the stories of the prophets of the Old Testament. And without those stories, without the Hebrew Bible, without the stories of the people of Israel and the prophets, of God's mighty acts of salvation and covenant, promise-making, creation and judgment, redemption and grace, without those stories, then honestly, Jesus doesn't make sense. He's out of context. For Christians, the narrative arc of the Hebrew Bible points us to Jesus. Now, this isn't true for every religion and all the people who value the Hebrew Bible as sacred text, but it is true for us. And Jesus tells the stories of the Hebrew Bible, and he infuses his own layer of meaning and significance, because stories are how we understand. Jesus also tells new stories, stories that we often refer to as parables because they teach us something. They have a lesson for us. So why is Jesus telling these stories? Usually there's a reason, an occasion. And in our gospel lesson this morning, what we heard is that Jesus has had a classic confrontation with the Pharisees and lawmakers. And they're grumbling, saying this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Criticism for Jesus around his inclusion of those that society would exclude. Now, Jesus could have said, you just need to love everybody, but he didn't. He told a story instead. Several stories, actually. You heard two of them, but the third story that Jesus tells is like one you might have heard of before, the prodigal son. That's kind of familiar, right? So Jesus tells three stories, but we're only looking at two for today. But the themes are all of the same. They are stories of losing searching, finding, and celebrating. And the two stories for today are the stories of the lost sheep and the lost coin. So Jesus begins with this parable of the lost sheep. He says, suppose someone in the room had 100 sheep. 
Do any of you have 100 sheep? I asked the choir at the 8.30 service, and they do not. No. I'm imagining, I don't know, but there are probably some ordinances against owning 100 sheep in Arlington. So, but just imagine that you had 100 sheep. I mean, sheep, they're kind of big. And you lost one. Jesus encouraged them to assume that if you found yourself in this situation, that you would leave behind the 99 obedient, well-behaved sheep to go after that one. And furthermore, after you found that one rambling sheep, that then you would call all of your friends and neighbors to come over and celebrate. I hope you wouldn't serve mutton, but maybe you would. <laughs> but, but would we do that? Would we really go after the one like that? I have some concerns here and, and honestly some questions. Not really about that particular lost sheep, but like the whole situation. Because I think Jesus is being a little generous here and maybe a tad absurd. We often think through scenarios and choices and we do things like weigh the cost and the benefit. We calculate pros and cons and and loss, and risk, and time, and effort. So one sheep out of 100, 1%, I'm not great at math, but I think I can do that one. Is that worth it? Is it worth the time and effort? Is it worth the risk to yourself? Because I think there's wolves out there, and rocks, and maybe some cliffs. Is it worth it to the 99? And I, I don't know if they're left behind. I, presumably, this is the owner of the sheep, so hopefully there's some shepherds, but I don't, I don't know about staffing for your sheep, right? What's the proper ratio of sheep to shepherd? I, I just, like I said, I have some questions. New Testament scholar Amy Jill Levine has noted that most of Jesus's original audience would not have owned 100 sheep, which is good. We're in, we're in good company. Um, but they wouldn't have been wealthy enough to do that. So the story centers around somebody with, with abundance and resources and someone, frankly, who might not have noticed if one sheep had gone missing. And so that instead of a story of a, a foolish little sheep that gets lost, the fault of the text, of the whole problem here, is the owner of the sheep. She suggests that instead of titling this the parable of the lost sheep, that it should be called the parable of the initially oblivious owner. Because we often imagine that that lost sheep is, is one of us, right? Either us or one of our own, the way that we kind of wander off just, you know, munching the good grass until suddenly we're, we're, we're lost and we're not with the group anymore. Or maybe we flat run away, whatever it is that, that drags us away from from community and God, and, and we imagine that the owner is Jesus welcoming us back into the church, the flock, after proper confession and repentance. Lovely and comforting when we feel lost. It's not particularly flattering to think of ourselves as dumb sheep, and it's not really comforting to think of God as initially oblivious, letting us wander off on our own. And the repenting, the turning, the saving, 
It's all wrapped up in the owner noticing in the first place, taking inventory, recognizing that one sheep is missing, and then going after that sheep to bring it back. Unlike us, when we sin, the wandering sheep didn't do anything particularly wrong, since it's in the sheep's nature, I think, to wander off, and it's the job of the shepherd to keep them all together. The sheep doesn't seem to have a change of heart <laughs> or a confession, probably doesn't really care that it's been scooped up and brought back to safety with the rest. The relief of being found is for the owner, not the sheep. It's the action, the burden, the responsibility rests on God. Now, just in case the story of the sheep wasn't convincing or doesn't really resonate with those of us who don't own sheep, uh, Jesus tells another story. Think of a woman, he says, who has 10 coins and she loses one. And she searches her home from top to bottom to find it. And when she does, she calls all of her friends and neighbors over to celebrate. Now, we can identify with this first part, right? Have you ever lost anything? Yes. Yes, you have. You've lost money, right? You've lost your car keys or your wallet or the TV remote or your cell phone. And when you did, you probably flipped over all of the couch cushions looking for it. You searched every room. You probably enlisted some family members to help you. And you were likely relieved when you found it, right? You found your keys and now you can leave the house. You found the remote and now you can watch the game. You found your cell phone and it turned out that you were using its own flashlight feature to look for it. We can understand the relief, but maybe not really the joy. Because did you throw a party when you found those items? I'm guessing that you did not. Because usually we feel a little bit foolish that we lost these things. We feel a little bit foolish when we find them in the last place we put them. What do you know? As a story for comparison of of sin and forgiveness, we know that our stuff did not wander off on its own. Usually we are the ones who forgot where we put it. Sometimes we can blame another member of our household. But despite what my kids might tell me, a TV remote control cannot actually grow legs and walk away. This is one coin out of 10, 10% instead of the 1% for the sheep, but it still doesn't seem all that significant. Jesus is being generous and assuming that his critics would even put in the time to go look, let alone rejoice at the outcome. They might not even notice a missing coin in the first place, or, you know, hey, 9 out of 10 is not bad, right? He's really generous in describing that celebration, the parties that take place over something so insignificant and ordinary, a lost sheep, a lost coin. We might think that it is good enough to have what we have and to not put the majority at risk while we go look for the minority. But God isn't playing by our views. We might not think that it's fair to offer such extravagant forgiveness and welcome for those on the edge when we've been doing our part the whole time. But oftentimes we find that those who are pushed out of society and privilege find themselves on that edge through no fault of their own 
but as the result of systems of oppression and injustice. Our stories tell us what God is like, like someone who experiences loss and is relentless in pursuit, generous in forgiveness, and delighted by the return, celebrating with fullness and joy. Such joy breaks out in heaven, says Jesus, when just one, when just one returns. No single story can capture the full depth of God's love and mercy and regard for us. That's why the Bible is so thick and full of such different and diverse stories and voices and understandings and experience. It's why all of our stories are so rich and varied as well. What does it mean for God to be God? What does it mean for us to be human? It's hard to put into words, but we keep trying. We have to. And Jesus shows us what inclusion looks like, the justice work and peace building and reconciliation of focusing on where there is hurt and pain, exclusion and marginalization to bring back to make whole, to do the hard work of community healing and restoration. Episcopal priest Robert Farrar Capon says that Jesus saves losers and losers only. He raises the dead and only the dead. And he rejoices more over the last, the least, the little, than over all of the winners in the world. Now that news is delightfully life-saving when you're lost, and a little more than frustrating when you haven't strayed. But Jesus doesn't behave like we might expect or even want sometimes. And that's exactly the point, that he's different, that he's not the same. The good kind of maybe good news here for us is that like that sheep, we're prone to wander off. Even when we don't mean to, we drift away and we get lost. And we need to know that when we turn toward God, or when God comes and finds us, that we will be met with such extravagant warmth and love. Because God is kind of ridiculous like that. God wants all of us, each and every one of us, back into the fold, back into that coin jar, back into community. Every last one of us. Even and especially the people we think are not worth God's time. Amen.